Let's give Sam a hand. Thank you. <laughs> Sam, this is only the beginning. Older I get, I'm going to do that a lot. So thank you. Um, so it starts from in the beginning. And as at church, we've been going through Genesis. It's a very familiar phrase, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. And it starts there. And in it, it talks about who he was, why he came, why he what he came with, and how we ought to respond. And we're going to try to answer some of those questions uh, in a brief time here in the Word. You know, there are many things we believe in. The Gospel of John really wants us to believe in Jesus Christ. We want you to believe in Jesus Christ, as the kids were singing. Um, and uh, there are many things in life we believe that aren't true, and it affects us, right? And uh, one of the things that's been going viral that I've been enjoying is some of these cruel parents have someone dress up as the Grinch. Have you seen this? And the Grinch comes in while the kids are, um, like the little toddlers are watching TV and starts taking all their Christmas uh, presents. And then they're like fighting back and running away. And the parents are just having a good time, you know. And um, uh, shame on them. But then, hey, maybe, you know, we can't always be Santa Claus, right? And so it, things like that. You know, readers, I just had a, an article about the things that we believe that aren't true. And maybe I, I wanted to share a few of these of you. Maybe you believe some of these things or believed them at one point. A couple of these. Number one, uh, myth number one, gum, if you swallow it, it takes seven years to digest, right? How many of you believe that? Maybe you did. I did for a long time, accidentally swallow, thinking, oh my gosh, it's here. I could feel it, you know, and um, it's there for seven years it would take. Um, another myth that many people believe, they say, oh, the only man-made uh, structure, a man-made thing that you can see from out of space is the Great Wall of China. So if you go into space, you can see it. Uh, they say, no, you can't see that, right? Another myth is that Napoleon was short. So we tell people, oh, he has a Napoleon complex. Napoleon, they say, actually was above average. He was like 5'7". The average man at the time uh, was shorter than him. So he was above average. He is described as short, not because of his stature, but because of his temper, personality, and so on. And so we see some of that. Here's one. It says, uh, and some of you might believe this or might not, or you might refute this, but it says humans use 10% of their brains. And some of us, some of us, we have brothers that prove that true, right? They go, yeah, oh, you should meet my brother. You should meet my friend, right? And they say, no, we use more than just 10%. Here's one that wasn't in the Reader's Digest, but I believed wholeheartedly for all of my teen and into my 20s. And I was told this like this was, matter of fact, by my mom and warned of this, and I was always afraid to test it. She always said, if you fall asleep ever with the fan on in your face, you will surely die. <laughs> all right? And as an immigrant, uh, Korean parents, they never turn on the AC nor the heater and now I couldn't use the fan, and there were multiple times, many times, I woke up gasping for air, thinking, oh my gosh, I almost died, because the fan was on and I fell asleep. Oh my gosh, I, I barely survived. And um, it took maybe till I was in my, I won't say what age, till I believed this. But the question is asked, and uh, let me ask you what you believe, and the greatest question that we have to answer ourselves, uh, Jesus asks, uh, his disciple Peter in Matthew 16, 15, who do you say that I am, is what we believe about Jesus. And so I, is he 
the supernatural Santa Claus that gives us nice things if we have been good, if we haven't been naughty? Or is he like the Grinch that comes and says, no, I will punish you and I will watch you and I will make sure that you have no fun in life. I'm just going to give you a bunch of rules and I'm just going to kill the joy in your life. And sometimes we have these wrong beliefs about who Jesus is, that he might be a Santa Claus or he might be a Grinch. And yet he is so much more than that. And we look here, uh, James Montgomery Boyce reiterates how important that question is on what you believe. Here's a quote. He says, what do you think of Jesus Christ? Who is he? According to Christianity, this is the most important question um, you or anyone else will have to face. It is important because it is inescapable. You will have to answer it sooner or later in this world or in the world to come because the quality of your life here and your eternal destiny depends upon your answer. Who is Jesus Christ? And so what do you say to that? And so we're going to look at this passage and look at a few key words. Uh, our youth did a great job reading big chunks of it. We printed out a little bit of it, but we will be kind of looking at some key words in chapter one of John, um, and that will answer these questions. Who was Jesus? Why did he come? Uh, how did he come? Right? And uh, how should I respond? Uh, simple, right? Who was Jesus? Where was he from? Who was he? The very first verse of John 1.1 answers this for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And those very familiar words tell us, in the beginning. Genesis 1.1, Jesus was there. Jesus is eternal. And so there is no beginning or end to eternality. But somehow to describe this, the John says, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Yes, he was there. In the beginning was the Word. He is described as the word, logos, and we use it now, right? Uh, uh, logo and so on. Uh, the word, logos. He uses this word to describe Jesus because this word meant so much. For the Jewish listener, logos meant more than just a word. It's not like a word that's thrown up on here, right? The word meant it had some kind of power. Uh, when the word was spoken, the world was created. And so for the Jewish reader, and they heard this, when they say the word, they're thinking power, that he was the expression of God in power. And so it wasn't just an empty word, but it's the word of someone that impacts the world around us. And so they're thinking already, oh, it's something about power. Secondly, the Jews thought about the word as a source of wisdom. You get the word Sophia. Right? A lot of our kids are named after this word, wisdom. So it's the power to live today, how I ought to live. The Greeks, on the other hand, thought of this word logos. And uh, if, it, if there are any like Star Wars fans, you know that idea of the force. The idea of the logos, for them, it meant some kind of a spiritual energy. The force that was out there. Someone, something, uh, some, not personal, but something that's out there like uh, uh, something that's in everything, in the woods and in the forest. And, you know, sometimes today we have people in our world today that talk about Mother Nature this and Mother Nature that, almost personifying all the things around us. And really, that's a little bit of how that word was used. And so when now John uses this word, he is bringing all those things together. 
from all those different cultures, and they thought of the word, they think of power, they think of wisdom, they think of some kind of a, uh, energy in this world. They say, yes, all of that is now in Christ, in a person. And so he is described in this way. He is also described as, in verse 14, the only son from the Father. And this is very interesting for us as we have literally been going through uh, the book of Genesis. The only son from the Father. So some will misinterpret this as, see, that he had other sons, or maybe he had daughters, or uh, he had other children. But the only son having the idea, it doesn't mean that he was now born in this way uh, before he was born to Mary, but the idea of preeminent one, the one that is unique, the begotten one, the preeminent one. And so this same phrase is used, just stay with me here, when God tells Abraham to take your, in Genesis 22, to your only son, Isaac. It's the same word. But it wasn't his only son. He had Ishmael and he had sons later. But he's saying the one, the anointed one, the chosen one, um, that's who he was. And this is who Jesus was. Why did he come? Second question. It's summed up in these very, this important, very important word. It's the word life. To give us life. Uh, verse 4 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life. 36 times it's used in the Gospel of John, more than any other book in the New Testament. Life. What is more important than life? As some of us, uh, maybe you have received a gift, a nice present. Maybe it's a new phone or new something or new shoes. But what can compare to the gift of life? If you complain about a gift you've gotten, you compare it to the gift of life, we say, this is the greatest thing. And this is why we make a big deal of Mother's Day, because somehow they carried us, delivered us, and we have life. And we honor our mother and our father, because somehow, because of them, I have life. And what more of a gift can we receive other than life? And here, Jesus described, in him was life, the light of men. He describes life and light back and forth. Light, without light, there would be no life. Light exposes the darkness. You know, we today, um, the news and everything that's out there is trying to shock us into clicking it, right? We want to see it. Oh, look how terrible this is. Look at this uh, vicious attack that was caught on a camera. You know, if it's not something that's seen, we, we don't even click on it anymore. And so, the world now highlights all the bad news. You know, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, as many of us, uh, first of all, the news would come on at 11, so you didn't care at that point. But the news wasn't just about to shock you of how terrible the world was. It would talk about politics. It would talk about the world. It would talk about a few things, and then they would have that very key part at the end, the sports highlights, right? Like, it would be about a minute long. And if you miss that, you have to wait till the next day, go find a newspaper to see did the Lakers win? And you would be in suspense all night. But now we, we don't have to argue or prove or give any. You just turn on anything. And you know the darkness of this world. How difficult it is. When someone asks or brings up about the mass shooting, now our question is, is which one? Because it happens so often. And this is the dark world we live in. And light comes in and exposes and dispels darkness. You remember one of the memories of this past year at church? 
what was it, uh, sometime in the summer, do you remember that, when the electricity went out on this whole block, five minutes before we were going and, and was starting, and we were sitting in, dark, in the darkness, and we opened a few doors, and my voice was just as loud without the mic, you know, as, but the praise team, you know, I remember bringing the piano up here, and Jane played, and Chris and the team led us in songs, and that was the highlight. It was a memorable time. We sat in the dark. We had a little bit of light, luckily, and we worshiped, but the light, look at all the light bulbs just in this place, just to illuminate what is here, or it would be a dark, dark place. Now, how did he come? What did he bring, what did he bring with us, uh, uh, bring with him to us? How did he come? Third question, he comes full of grace and truth. This is how he comes, full of grace and truth. A combination where one without the other is so destructive. Grace says, I love you unconditionally. Truth says there is a right and a wrong. There is sin and you need forgiveness. And if you have one without the other, it is destructive. It says in verse 14 at the end, right, that he comes full of grace and truth. The word full, pleris, in the original language, it's the, obviously it's the opposite of empty. It means to fill something up. You see certain kids as they get older, um, when we had our Halloween, they were filling up their baskets with candy. Right? They're just packed. The same word, pleris, is used to describe when they, Jesus fed the multitudes and they were picking up the leftovers and the disciples were filling up the baskets with bread that was left over. There was no more space. They were jamming it in there. It is full. He comes full of grace full of truth. Now, if you only have truth, you get the law. And the law, some of us are law keepers. Some of the firstborn, you're the law keeper. You're the ones that keep people in line. Right? Even the little ones that came up today, you could tell right? their personalities. I mean, some were just exact. right? And some were just, just hanging out. They were having a good time. right? right? There's this middle section right here. I mean, we had all the we had the experts up here. I mean, they were just going at it and some, some just hanging out, you know, waiting for the tacos, like some of us, right? When the tacos, right? Um, full of truth. Uh, Philip Yancey, one of the uh, most kind of popular Christian authors of our day, he has a memoir and he talks about growing up in a very legalistic church, a very racist church, where they preached that... Uh, those who were African-American were now cursed, and this is why they were, and they were inferior, and so on. And, and he grew up this way. And he talks about going off, now being sent to a very legalistic Christian college in South Carolina. And when he gets there, and this is what Full of Truth is, they give him a student manual. And the student manual isn't about where to get food or how to check out books. It is 66 pages of things you cannot do. And on that list, it included, they forbid bowling, billiards, dancing, cards, movies, skating. It was 66 pages of rules. And he says, it's by God's grace, he ends up transferring later uh, to Wheaton. But here, wall truth, no grace. And now we see someone that is keeping tab. A naughty list. <laughs> what are you doing? Now he comes, not only with truth, Jesus fulfills the truth, 
uh, and the law, but he now comes with grace. Grace now says, I love you unconditionally. I bless you when you do not deserve it. When you deserve nothing. I don't know how you feel this Christmas. Maybe you feel like, I don't deserve any of this. Maybe you bring guilt. It's been a while coming to church. It's been a while uh, singing these songs. It's been, God, it's been a long time. Sorry. And you come. And it is at that moment he says, no, I accept you 100%. You don't have to prove yourself in this way. And how should we respond? Our response is kind of twofold. It is to look at him and to believe in him. And how your faith grows is by looking at him. It tells us here in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen, we have gazed, is a, another translation of the word. It's not just to quickly look, but it's to gaze upon something. It's to look at it over and over. It's like going to a museum and seeing some famous art and you're just gazing upon it. Or if you get to go to, you know, some of you went to like the BTS concert and you were gazing, right, upon the guys, right? And you know their moves. And you say, yeah, that's the one. That, he's the one that can only speak English. The other guys, that's the only thing I know about BTS, right? He's the one. Right, so he's the one that talks and everyone just nods. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's them. There he is. Oh, change his hair today. Wow, you know, and uh, oh, makeup looks good. You know, and, and you, you gaze, but you know about them. And it's the idea. Kids were singing today. Moms and dads, some of them, I could tell, have been practicing all week. They didn't miss a beat. And yet they're here again with their phones recording. And if you're from another planet, you would think, why would they want to see that again? They can see it at home. But yet, we, when we are in love, when we are interested, we gaze and we keep looking and we keep learning and we keep growing and we are now saying, I know them. I know who she is. I know what he's like. Some of the parents, I'm sure you looked, oh, you knew. Oh, man, he's a little nervous up there. You could tell, oh, the younger one, she's so excited. I know her. At my house, my study is in the downstairs. And just by hearing the steps of the person coming down, I know who it is, right? Because one of them is, they'll trot down, right? And then the other one comes down, boom, boom. But I like, oh, that's my other daughter, right? Oh, that's the other one. We know because we gaze, and when we gaze, it leads to now belief to gaze upon the Lord. And it tells us in verse 12, and this is the main point, and I'm going to share this. Uh, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe. Here, the word believe this word believe is used 98 times. John wants to get the point across, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. And everything that he writes in this gospel is so that we would believe. This word believe is not just to say, oh, I accept. It's not just to say, oh, yeah, I've, 
I believe Joe Biden is president. Okay, I know that truth. But it's more than that. It's to put my trust in someone. It's to now say, I not only know you, but I believe I trust you. It's to say, you take the wheel and I can comfortably go to sleep in the car. I know you are capable of getting me home. And what that does is it changes us. It makes us people of grace, people of truth. Um, There's a story that was on the front cover of the San Francisco Chronicle. There's a picture I wanted to show of this lady. Uh, Linda Wilson Allen, she drives a bus in the city of San Francisco. Linda is very special, and she ended up on the very front cover of the San Francisco Chronicle because she loves everyone that comes onto her bus. In the article, it says that she knows them by name. She talks to them. She welcomes them. If they are running a little late, you ever see this? And Maybe you've been the one... You're a minute late, and the bus driver makes contact, and they just go, right? And maybe if you were the bus driver, maybe you would do that. Oh, see ya. And she would wait. She would help people um, if they needed help. Uh, One of the stories is that one of her passengers, I think she's the one here, Ivy, uh, 80 years old, and she was having a hard time with so many groceries, as you would imagine a grandmother of that age would. And Linda would stop the bus, get out of her seat, take the seatbelt off, go out, go down and help her pick it up and bring it in with her and talk to her. So now because of that, uh, Ivy stops and waits. And when the other buses come, she tells them to go. Because she's waiting for her friend, Linda, who would come. Not only that, there's another story of a lady named Tanya, who as she was driving on Thanksgiving Day, saw her in the bus station just by herself, and Linda knew, just by looking, she's new to the city, she has nowhere to go, so she talks to her. Not only did she talk to her, now she, invite, she invited her on that day, say, why don't we have, I'm getting off of work, so get in the bus, why don't you come to my house for Thanksgiving dinner? Tanya joins her, becomes now her friend. And the reporter asks, why or how could you do this? And it is because of the one that she believes in. Before her early morning shift, she wakes up at 2.30 in the morning, the reporter writes, and she would spend 30 minutes or so just praying, praying that she would be a loving person, praying of the important people she will meet and she will talk to God. And she says to the reporter, there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. Member, and she's a member of Glad Tidings Church in Hayward, California, and she would treat others in this way. And so what you believe, what you believe changes how you will live. And I want to encourage you today to gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him, and see the grace and the truth of Christ now being lived out in you. And may that be the greatest gift of Merry Christmas in your life. Let's pray together, and we'll sing our last song. Lord, we thank you, and Lord, today uh, we remember you, the birth of the one that matters so much, full of grace and truth, the one that came from all eternity, born in the form of a child, to come and fulfill the law, the law we couldn't fulfill, and to give us the gift of life. 
an abundant life, a life here on earth, a future life, an eternal life, a blessed life with you. So we thank you and we love you for that. God, may the grace of Christ now dwell in us and may we live that out every day. Uh, May we live for you, Lord. So we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I could ask you to all stand with us.